You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Welcome, West Side. Great to be worshiping with everyone this morning. I know many are gathered with friends and family on this Sunday morning. We really appreciate just the community we're building here and the message we have and the vision we have for the West Side Church. So if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And uh, we know that as a spiritual family, we have a great mission ahead of us. And so today the title of the lesson is Every Town and Neighborhood. Because God really intends for His message to reach into every town and every neighborhood all over the world. And we've been studying the book of Luke and uh, looking at various passages in there as we learn from uh, the gospel writer about his heart uh, for the marginalized, God's heart for the marginalized. But he really has a heart for every neighborhood. And today I want us to be thinking about our own lives and our own neighborhoods. I remember as a kid, the earliest neighborhood I can remember living in was in Chalfont, Pennsylvania. It was a small town, East Coast. I was six years old. And recently I went on Google, uh, Google Maps to look at my old house that I used to live at on, on Butler Drive. And so here's the picture of it. What's funny is you can't really see it because the, the owner, I don't know who's been living there for the last 35 years, but they haven't trimmed the trees. So you can only see a corner of the house. But I grew up there in this neighborhood, this little neighborhood called Brittany Farms. And all the kids would walk to school. Uh, we would walk to our elementary school. It was known as Simon Butler Elementary, right there. And we would walk, uh, pretty much the whole neighborhood would walk. And we had a, a little safety police in fifth grade that would uh, kind of watch out for each other. Uh, a lot of interesting stories. Uh, you know, the cliche of seven miles up and down hills is not true, but I did Google map it from that house to this location. It was seven-tenths of a mile. Uh, and it was a little bit uphill that we had to walk. But... You know, I want my old neighborhood to know the gospel truth. And I believe that those of us watching today and uh, those that really have a heart for God would want their own neighborhood to know the gospel. And the reality is that is God's heart, that his message would get into every town and every neighborhood. And today, really, that's what I want us to take away from the lesson. And we're going to talk a little bit about our West Side ministry and the influence we need to have, and what's going to happen in the coming weeks. Uh, But I want to read right here, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clearly, here at the, the vision of the end of times, God has a multitude, larger than anyone could count, and it's comprised of people from every nation, every tribe, every language is represented. And I want to commend us here on the West Side. We're certainly a diverse community. Uh, Not only are the demographics of the West Side in in the greater geographic area very diverse, but we as a West Side ministry, as a West Side church, are tremendously diverse from our recent survey we did, you can see the diversity that we have uh, ethnically. But not only ethnically, 
age diversity is tremendous on the west side. And these are great uh, points to make for all of us because we have a great mission ahead of us. And God intends for us to be a church that goes to every nation, every tribe, every people in multiple languages. You know, here on the west side, uh, 15%, roughly 15% of the membership uh, does not have English as their first language. And so clearly there's a need with even in our community to branch out and try new ways of reaching and communicating to people. I'm excited about the mission we have ahead of us. I want to delve into the book of Luke right now. And I want us to, there's going to be three chapters. I want to hit the beginning part of three chapters. Very interestingly, in Luke 8, Luke 9, and Luke 10, we get a repetitive imprint on us from the gospel writer of how Jesus was interested in village after village and town after town and place after place. And we begin reading in verse 1 of Luke 8, where it says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. It is good news. In a culture right now filled with a lot of bad news, and I don't know about you, but I do read the news on a regular basis, and again, I I try to read news from all sorts of different sources to ascertain the truth. But the reality is, God's truth is simply good news. That God is sovereign. He has won the victory. His son has died and resurrected. And he is crowned king of the universe. And we have a great hope. A hope for eternity. A hope for Jesus' reign to be revealed and then lived out in neighborhood after neighborhood. I like how it says right here, it says the 12 were with them. He had raised up leaders. He pulled in a few of his key guys and he appointed them apostles, his 12. And they had a tremendous role to play. And leadership is an important part uh, of any organization. It's an important part of God's plan. I also really like how it says, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. They were with them as he went from town to town. He says, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. So she needed some transformation. She needed massive conversion. And I can relate to that. I I probably had more than seven demons that needed to be taken out of my system uh, as a young man uh, without knowledge of Jesus and without seeing his incredible grace that he had spread out on the world. Uh, Mary Magdalene had been transformed. And clearly she's mentioned here, I imagine she was a powerful woman in speech and deed. It says also that Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. So here is the wife of a very influential part of the community, really of the political realm. Uh, Herod was the king. He was uh, the most politically powerful person in Judea at that time. And here the manager, the chief of staff, his wife is following Jesus. And it goes on to say, Susanna and many others. It wasn't just a couple women, a lot of women. And then here's the amazing thing. It says, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. This is remarkable. You know, in the West Side, I do want to commend the women uh, in our ministry. They are powerful. 
influential. They make a tremendous difference. Uh, they co-lead the church side by side. In all our small groups, we have a man and women co-leader. Some of our groups, we have more women than men. We do have a women's a number of women's only groups. Uh, and they're led by women. We're super grateful for that. You know, at this time, I want to have my wife, Carrie. She has a few things to share. She's our women's ministry leader here on the West Side. And she wants to comment on this as well. I appreciate Steve highlighting this passage in Luke 8. Highlighting the prominence of women serving and influencing Jesus' ministry. When Jesus resurrected, it's recorded in the book of Mark that he first appeared to a woman, Mary Magdalene. Why do you think he appeared first to a woman? You know, women tend to be better communicators, and I think he wanted to make sure the resurrection story was clearly communicated. Okay, I'm joking. I don't really know the reason. However, all jokes aside, I believe women's ministry is vital for shaping the church. I believe the reason he appeared first to a woman is to show the significance women have at equally proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. When I think of Mary Magdalene, the bleeding woman in Luke 8, the Samaritan woman who influenced an entire town to follow Jesus, They were healed, forgiven, and in their gratitude and love, they proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. I could say the same of so many of the women in the Westside Church. One amazing woman, Jennifer Nassimeno, reached out to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to her friend, Megan Orr. Megan began to study the Bible. Carrie Morales and myself joined the Bible study. Right as COVID hit and the beginning stages of lockdown began. Megan was baptized into Christ. Megan's new joy and gratitude for her new life in Christ moved her to give back. She learned about a benevolent endeavor called a blessing box. It's a box that is installed in your community where neighbors and anyone in need could take food, toiletries, and more as needed. With her treasured birthday money, Megan purchased one had it installed in her Inglewood neighborhood, and it's been a blessing to all. Megan was spotlighted on Channel 7 News for her generosity, although she wasn't seeking recognition. Really, when your light shines bright, people take note. Megan's heart to give inspired Carrie Morales, and she too bought a blessing box and installed it in her Inglewood neighborhood. I'm so proud to know and serve along these amazing women proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God to every neighborhood. Thank you, Carrie. We are inspired by the work that our women's ministry does. We're super grateful for all of you. Uh, to think that the women were primary support of Jesus' ministry, I, would, I want to hand it to our women. I know uh, in a large part that's, that's occurring even here. And we have a lot more work to do to evangelize the really almost million people in our surrounding area. I want to move on to Luke chapter 9. As we talked about uh, in Luke 8, 9 and 10, Luke makes it clear that Jesus had a mission to go from village to village, from every town and neighborhood to the next. We read again here in Luke 9, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases 
And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Part of the mission of God is to reveal the life-saving message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But with that, we carry a message of healing. I'm so grateful for the work that uh, the West Side does in healing people in our community. The work that Hope Worldwide does. And it's exciting to know that as uh, we're going to become our own region of the L.A. Church, we will have our own uh, branch of Hope Worldwide uh, centered right here in the West Side. Super grateful for Billy Wynn, uh, the work that he does, and Patricia, the work she's done for so long, uh, serving the homeless. We're going to continue that work. We want to be uh, an inspiring group that carries the message of healing. You know, as we go on in chapter 10 of Luke, verse 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. It's really interesting. It's not only the leaders. It's not only the the evangelists. It's not only the, the, the small group leaders who do the outreach and evangelism. It's everyone. Jesus sends 72 others, and they go out two by two to every town and place where Jesus was about to go. Now, today, we live in a world where the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And so the Holy Spirit is eager to enter every town and place. And I put before you, he's there working already. He's there working. The Holy Spirit is working in people's lives. He's working in your neighborhood. He's working in your workplace. He's working in your family. you got to trust he's working. God is present. Our job is is to see his work and join it and add to it and learn from it and be a vessel of that spirit to every town and place that you get a chance to be a part of. Amen? You know, it says there that, that the harvest is plentiful. That's what Jesus told them. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! I love the exclamation point. Go! I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. This is deep. This passage is uh, used quite often for church consultants as they want to inspire a church with hospitality and to open their mind as they dwell on the word. Uh, is they trying to get a congregation to really be thinking about being outward focused. I notice right here that really God is calling us into the harvest field, but ultimately it says the Lord will send them out. The Lord will inspire our hearts. The Lord will motivate us to do it. And I I hope that as you're hearing the word, uh, uh, an inspiration is entering your heart because God is working. He has worked. Across the globe, across the L.A. church, across the west side, we are seeing a number of miracles happening. Uh, one of the greatest miracles is in Lebanon where they had the devastation of the explosion. Uh, uh, terrible turmoil politically over there and social unrest. And, and yet they, uh, they have over 50 new people in a church of just under 100. They have 50 new people studying the Bible in Lebanon. 
God is moving hearts. I believe in our uh, tumultuous culture right now in America, where there are a polarity of views, uh, where there's unease, where there is a lot of fear uh, going on, I believe God is allowing these things to open minds and hearts to him. And I hope that each of us, if, if we've been thinking in our own heart, maybe you're watching today, you've been thinking, I have been thinking about God. It's been on my mind more than ever. We want you to have the opportunity to learn and study the Bible. If you've been a part of our church for a while, I believe God is sending people into your life. You know, the harvest is plentiful and he has a plan to send people to us that really need him. And I want us to be on the lookout for that. Uh, there's so many victories, so many situations that a lot of times we don't notice that God is working, putting people in our life. And it does take some self-denial to act on those workings of God. Now, one of the things I want to bring us in on here is this idea of going from town to town, going from village to village, going from city to city has always been God's plan. And the beginning of our great L.A. church was really based upon this mission. The idea was that disciples would come to L.A. from three different churches and plant a disciple-making church in the greater metropolitan Los Angeles area. And they formed in 1989 the Los Angeles International Church of Christ, of which the Westside Church is a, a part of that. We are a part of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. Now, for those of you that didn't come to our 30th anniversary, that was last September, I want to give you a chance to see a, just a little, little taste of the 30th anniversary history video. Some of our own members were a part of the original planting team. So we're going to show you just a couple minutes of that video from last year at this time and give you some background on the starting of the L.A. Church. The L.A. Church began as a dream with dozens of disciples from Boston, San Francisco, and San Diego moving to Los Angeles in order to reach the millions of lost souls in the L.A. metropolitan area. I had recently graduated from Harvard. And we were eager to serve God. I was single, living in San Francisco with a dream to start a church in L.A. And we were praying for a discipling congregation to come to Los Angeles. I wanted to come to L.A. because I wanted to help start the campus ministry at USC. And we couldn't wait to be on a team with other like-minded Christians. I was asked to consider the L.A. mission team because I grew up in Southern California. My heart was drawn to L.A. because my family was here and I wanted to see them become Christian. I jumped at the opportunity because I saw God and remembered my dream. So when the team came to Los Angeles, we were very eager to join them. Darius Simmons became my closest friend and he was an evangelizing machine. He was like a robo-share. We met so many students. I remember us having impromptu Bible talks right by the Bruin Bear. I was truly excited to come to L.A. and make a difference for God in one of the most influential cities of the world. Our L.A. dream turned into the South Central Ministry. We knew that we had a responsibility to reach out to people. And if we didn't share our faith, then it wasn't going to get done. During the first three months of us living in Los Angeles, we saw 42 people become disciples. And I was the first baptism in the L.A. planting baptized on June 17, 1989. Powerful preachers and leaders gave vision and inspiration to ordinary men and women that they could make a difference in this generation 
As a result, there were over 100 people baptized in the first six months of the L.A. Church's planting. To help strengthen the church, many experienced leaders moved to Los Angeles from our sister churches. This was a sacrifice for them, a sacrifice that continues to be a tremendous blessing to this day. Campus ministries were started at UCLA, USC, and Cal State Long Beach. In the following years, nearly all the campuses in Southern California were impacted by the gospel, and a new generation of leaders would go on to plant and build churches around the world. As the campus ministries flourished, we realized there were millions of others with specific needs who were waiting to hear the gospel. L.A. is the entertainment capital of the world. So, the arts, media, and sports ministry was started to reach professional athletes and entertainers. Talented people were converted and gave their best, not for fame, but to honor God. AMS grew tremendously and in time transitioned into the Turning Point Ministry. The Great Physicians Ministry was founded to help medical professionals become disciples. The Cross and Switchblade was the first ministry in our movement dedicated to reaching the inner city community. At Pentecost, people heard the message in their own tongue. In this spirit, ministries were started in Korean, Spanish, and American Sign Language so that people everywhere could hear the good news in their own language. And as the church continued to grow, we expanded northward into the Ventura region, which was established as a hub to reach Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo. From its inspiring beginning in 1989, the L.A. Church has always had a dream to impact people all around the world. Our first mission planting team was sent to Moscow in 1991. Soon after, Vietnam. We assisted mission teams to Turkey, Israel, Lebanon, Egypt, Cyprus, and others in the Middle East. We partnered in strengthening the Manila Church and many other churches throughout Eurasia, Mexico, Central, and South America. Over the years, the L.A. Church has sent millions of dollars in mission offerings to either plant or strengthen churches throughout the world. Awesome. It's great to see Robin Horton in there and Todd in there and great to see uh, uh, Chuck and Carol in there. God has worked uh, in powerful ways on the West Side, and he's going to continue to work. One of the things I want to make uh, clear to everyone watching today is God's plan to go to every town and every village and every neighborhood applies to us directly. The L.A. Church was formed with this mission of reaching this vast geographic area. And to reach that area, we came up with this plan to establish regions in L.A. They were geographic originally. In time, uh, these geographic areas developed uh, large churches, and we renamed some of the geographic areas with just the name of the church that those members decided they wanted to call themselves. But essentially, they became regions of L.A. And a region of L.A. is a ministry that has complete ownership of its finances and together with the other regions supplies an evangelist and an elder to a leadership committee, the leadership group. Uh, that leadership group is the authoritative leadership body of the whole greater metropolitan Los Angeles Church of Christ. Uh, we started out with 10 regions in L.A., going all the way up to Ventura, uh, all the way down to South Orange County, out to even Palm Springs. Over the past uh, 10 years, we have had eight regions in the L.A. Church, one of which is our region, the coastal L.A. The coastal L.A. was comprised of the South region, and the West. What's exciting to let you guys know is that the coastal LA is going to launch, is going to relaunch us as what's known as the West Side region of the LA church. 
with the goal of us really expanding and filtering into all the neighborhoods in our geographic area. It means that as, an, as the lead evangelist and Mark Shump as our elder, we will represent the West Side in the leadership uh, committee that takes place once, once a month, as well as many other times we meet to talk about ecclesiastical issues with the church. It's exciting because, it, in a sense, it means the West Side is taking ownership really as a, as a church to make an impact in our local towns and neighborhoods. Amen? Now, I want to bring up a little more detail here for you. Uh, the L.A. regions, I have them listed there if you couldn't see it on the other one. Coastal L.A., Inland Empire, Lifeway, Lighthouse, Metro L.A., the North, Orange County, Turning Point, and starting in September, we're going to call it the West Side Region. And I'm really grateful to be a part of all the work that you guys have done. Uh, my wife Carrie and I have been a part of uh, four of those regions. This, this Now the West Side is our fifth region of the L.A. Church. I was baptized in 1990 as part of the South Region, which became the coastal L.A., and so, in a sense, I'm back home. Uh, I was baptized just on the beach here, not too far away, really in the South Bay ministry. And uh, my wife and I lived in Playa del Rey 20 years ago. So coming back to the West Side has been such a, an exciting dream. Uh, it's been a, a coming home. But also, there's a lot of newness here. And God has great plans for all of us. I hope you sense that and feel that uh, in our ministry. I want to share with you a little bit. Here's the area that comprises the West Side. These are our towns and neighborhoods. And Jesus wants us to go into every town and every neighborhood. So you can see a map. There's multiple maps. We go all the way up to Malibu. Uh, we go down to, you know, right there near the airport. I know the South Bay Church, our sister church. Uh, they are also from El Segundo down through the South Bay. And I know a number of members sort of live in between different areas, but we're tasked with this uh, geographic area. You know, the LA Times did a, a uh, unique thing, they define neighborhoods in all of L.A. And the West Side neighborhoods, they listed right here. And I added a couple that were not quite West Side, El Segundo and Inglewood, which uh, a large part of our group have either lived there or currently do live there. And they're certainly a part of where our church meets. There's 29 neighborhoods right here. And I want to challenge us. I want to get you to think and dream. A lot of us live in all these different neighborhoods. A lot of us are centered right there around Culver City, uh, Ladera Heights, uh, Playa, Mar Vista, Inglewood. But I think we need to expand a little, a little bit north. Uh, we need to expand a little bit further west. I know we have an incredible Pepperdine ministry, all our students uh, that go to school up there. We have a number of the great shepherds in our church that live up in Malibu. Uh, but there, there's a lot more work to do, a lot more people to reach. Uh, we have dreams of family groups and ministries expanding, uh, singles groups. We certainly want our campus ministries to just continue to flourish. I'm confident that our campus ministries will continue to flourish. Uh, they're doing tremendous things. I know they've just kicked off school. We're really excited about that. God has a plan for us to go to every neighborhood in the West Side with his gospel. Amen. And I want to talk a little bit how we're going to do it. In Luke chapter 8. After it talks about the women helping to support Jesus' work, it, Jesus then goes in and shares, or Luke accounts, shows the account of him sharing the uh, parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, we've read it, it's in uh, three of the different Gospels, we see that the farmer sows seed, and the seed is the Word of God. And we are commissioned by God to sow this seed. 
And we can't be sure if that seed of his word will land on a heart that's fully open. In the parable, Jesus shares how the seed falls on either a path, it falls on shallow soil, it falls among thorns, or it falls on good soil that grows up and bears a crop. You know, the hearts of people are either one of those hearts or a combination of those hearts, and we don't always know where they're at. Our calling is to share the word, is to scatter the seed, is to plant the seeds and water the seeds and let God make them grow. You know, I'm very proud of our campus ministry. Um, I know they just kicked off uh, just this year. There's been uh, the past 12 months, so many victories in the campus ministry. I'm super grateful. I want to show you a little slide of all the baptisms and additions to the campus ministry. Really grateful for uh, Kenny and Valerie and Justin and Emma and all the work that Rachel has done. Uh, I know that Rachel's going to transition out of the campus. So grateful for the work that she's done. And she's going to help us with our young professionals ministry, which we also have great vision for. Our young professionals in our Silicon Beach uh, area where so many uh, tech and professionals live and dream for a professional career. And yet I know God intends to reach them with the gospel. So we need to plant the seed, understanding that we can't always know what kind of heart it's going to fall on. You got to be willing to plant the seed even when you're not in charge of whether it grows. Our faithfulness is what God is asking for. You know, I want to read here in Luke chapter 10 as we go on as These three chapters talk so much about his outreach and his mission and his evangelism. And uh, we get to this place in Luke 10 where Jesus says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. This is powerful. Jesus is saying that he's backing us up. He's saying that when you go and carry the word of God to your neighborhood, to your school, to your workplace, when you carry the word of God, he is right behind you. And if they listen to him, they're going to listen to you. But you know what? Many listened and many rejected. And he said, hey, don't let it get you down. Many did reject him and they will reject you, but you got Jesus on your side. And it reminds me of a story before I was a Christian when I had uh, the backing of a friend. And uh, I had this friend in high school named Ricky Ford. He was um, a little bit of a troublemaker. He was a fun guy, but we we were not Christians at the time. We uh, went into this party. This is my senior year of high school. And he had been known to be a little bit obnoxious. He'd freely admit that. So we walked in the party. Ricky um, caught the attention of one of the athletes on the football team, big guy. And the big guy wanted to take Ricky down. He's like, he was at a party and he was looking for trouble. And as male testosterone often causes this, they wanted to have some conflict. I'm like, oh, no. And I got lumped in with this because my friend Ricky, I was with him. And uh, he was a little smaller guy than me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get involved. I was really grateful at the time because I was uh, I was the captain of the, the track team and it turned out that the star running back, a uh, pretty buff guy uh, running back, his name was uh, uh, Jefferson Fawcett, was 
at the party as well. Well, he and I had just won uh, a track competition in the relay together. And I was very encouraged that he caught my eye when he walked in the party and he gave me a nod. And when he saw this other guy on the football team who probably had a little too much to drink and wanted to pick some some trouble with us, uh, Jeff looked over at this guy and goes, hey, they're all right. I'm backing him up. And the guy goes, all right. And he just turned his head and went the other way. Well, that's how it is with Jesus. He backs us up. And it's nice to have friends that do that. We have the ultimate friend in Jesus who backs you up. And so really what I want you to hear is with this mission to go to every town and every neighborhood that we're going to need to expand on the west side, I don't want us to have any fear. I want us to be dreamers. I want us to be thinking, hey, where, where can I uh, expand my faith? Where can I go to reach out? What neighborhood have I not uh, reached out to lately? Or maybe your own neighborhood you haven't. Some of us I'm going to ask in the coming years to possibly move physically to new neighborhoods so that we can expand the gospel. Not only are we going to need to go to physical neighborhoods, we're going to need to go to cultural neighborhoods. We're going to need to get into communities, different communities, and put into practice all the lessons on cultural diversity that we've been training the West Side in, uh, to have empathy, to feel each other's pain, to put each other, put ourselves in each other's position so that we can be all things to all people to win some for Christ. And that's God's calling for all of us today. And I really want to call us to be bold. You have Jesus backing you up. And I want to go into communion here with one final scripture from the book of Luke. Luke ends his gospel with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in Luke 24, verse 46, we read, He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. God wants all nations all people, all backgrounds to hear his gospel. And his gospel is that Jesus died and resurrected and proved that life after death is real and that we have a hope. We live for an eternal destiny. But part of living for that is repentance and forgiveness. We all need repentance and forgiveness. The cross gives us the motivation towards repentance. Because Jesus died for us. And all the demons that Mary Magdalene had, I I could recount multiple uh, sexual sins, sins of arrogance, sins of pride, uh, tremendous sins of selfishness and laziness. And still, as as a minister, as an evangelist, I must battle these temptations. And I need forgiveness. You need it too. And the gospel of grace says it's available to us. Jesus died and resurrected. The message is repentance and forgiveness of sins. I hope that all of you are inspired to carry this message to every town and every neighborhood. It's God's heart and it's God's calling. Let's go to him in prayer at this time. Father, thank you so much for Jesus coming, dying for us, shedding his blood and giving us this incredible mission Father, we know that your spirit is entering into every town and neighborhood. Uh, Father, we ask that you show us the plan for us individually. 
whether it's to uh, get ourselves right with you through studying the Bible, or whether, Father, it's our boldness increasing so we can share this incredible hope that you have for the world. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus shed. Thank you for his body given. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.